0: This week on Sci Fi with Jesse Mercury, Jane Smith is back. We are continuing our journey through Firefly with episode two The Train Job. so much for joining me this week. There's a new show on Amazon called Electric Dreams, and it is based off of Philip K. Dick's short stories. It's produced by Ronald D. Moore and Brian Cranston, among other people, and is an anthology show where every week is an individual story based off of a different Philip K. Dick story. So, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll probably know that I'm a huge fan of Philip K. Dick. I've read uh, a handful of his novels and a handful of short stories, and I really, really enjoyed a lot of it. So, I've been really excited about this for a long time. I mean, of course, Ronald D. Moore created or co-created Battlestar Galactica, the rebooted version. Uh, ran that show. He was one of the showrunners on Deep Space Nine. So, he's a he's a sci-fi writer who I am very interested in. Who a television writer who I like to you know keep abreast of what he's working on. Even though I haven't watched Outlander. And Brian Cranston's just a badass and is awesome. So, yeah, a lot of names involved in this that I was excited about. So I checked out the first two episodes. It was actually hard for me to decide after watching the first episode if I liked the show or not. Because the visuals were stunning. The sci-fi concepts were really interesting. And so much about it was so wonderful and gooey and rich. And I just wanted to, like, dive in. But then the end of the first episode really kind of turned me off. Because it felt so preachy and, like, out of nowhere... And it didn't really say anything, and I was just like, ah, that kind of deflated the whole experience for me. But I did watch the second episode and really enjoyed it. It was uh, this really cool post-apocalyptic story that I loved. And the ending of that I thought was fantastic and brilliant and really, you know really engaging. The first episode was actually written by Ronald D. Moore. The second one was written by someone who I didn't recognize. And I'm not familiar with the source material material on either of those two stories. I'm not sure if the title of the episode is the name of the Philip K. Dick story that it was based off or not. I just don't know. I haven't done my research. Uh, But yeah, first episode kind of weird. Second episode really great. And even though the first episode ended strangely, I really liked most of it and the visuals are incredible this the concepts are really you know high sci-fi type stuff that they're they're diving into on the show so so far I'm enjoying it and I'm going to keep watching and I I would definitely recommend watching the second episode the first one you know I'd recommend it the first one's worth watching you've got uh Terrence Howard and Anna Paquin starring in the first episode and they're both great and it's just nice to see them do anything interesting, and yeah, I don't know how I felt, about, I, no, I know how I felt, I didn't like the end, but that's, that's okay, still worth watching. Anyway, last week I talked to you about how uh, my, one of my dreams for this podcast is to show up in iTunes if you search for sci-fi to be within the hundred podcasts that they show you, because they only show you a hundred, and I thought that getting five-star ratings and reviews, or just like more ratings and reviews, would be the way to, to that path, would be the path to getting into that list of sci-fi podcasts. I, you know, I I was basing that off of common sense and just what I've heard from other people about how iTunes works. And I just double checked today to see who was in the top hundred list. I'm still not on there, which is a bummer. But there are shows on there that don't have enough ratings or reviews to even show up as to whether or not they have five stars or not at the very bottom of the list. And a show that has like 127 five star ratings and reviews. And the the shows that are listed are totally different than last time. And now I'm just completely confused. I have absolutely no idea how I can possibly get my show into that list, which is really discouraging because I thought I was super close to that. Um, I did not get any new reviews. Since last week's episode, but I did hear from a couple people that they have tried to leave me a review and they don't know how. Uh, so I am a uh, I'm a PC person. I do not have any iPhone Mac de- devices. iPhone Mac. I don't I don't have any Mac devices. Um, so I don't know how this works on iPhones or on Macs or any of that stuff. I know that there's this new Apple Podcasts app. Uh, that has replaced listening to podcasts in iTunes. They like separated iTunes and podcasts, which used to be in one place, and now they are in two separate places. So my understanding is that if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, then that's kind of pretty easy to you know log in and leave ratings and reviews. But if you're like me and you're on PC, it gets a little bit trickier. The only way that I know how to do it is to actually log into uh, my iTunes account on the iTunes software on my pc so you actually have to download itunes and log in create an account and all that stuff to leave ratings and reviews for podcasts that's how i've done it in the past for other shows uh, and that's how i check my own ratings and reviews is to go onto itunes on my computer so if you're curious on how to do it that is the only way that i know how if you are a pc person if you know other ways write to me sci-fi jesse mercury let me know um all that being said I'd be very much appreciated to have more positive ratings and reviews for the show. It really helps us show up in search results, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. It's very depressing. But from what I've heard, it is vital for, for podcasts to have a lot of rating and reviews uh, uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the fuck. They make it so hard, man. They just make it so hard to like <laughs> show up at all. Podcasting is a frustrating business. Another great way to support this show and the rest of my content creation is to sign up on my Patreon page to support the show monthly through a financial contribution starting at $1 per month and there are different rewards for all the different contribution levels. Uh, People who sign up at $2 or more per month gain access to my premium podcast and I put out a really cool bonus episode a couple days ago called Just Fiction. Uh, So a while back on the podcast. You may have caught uh, a quick aside at the end of an episode that Amy Simon was the guest on where we talked about starting our own podcast. We actually did attempt to do that and we recorded several episodes of a show called Just Fiction that never made it to air. It was a really cool show that both of us Really liked a lot, but a lot of things, you know, looking at you, Lyme disease, a lot of things prevented us from getting this show out. So uh, I have a couple of episodes recorded, a couple, literally two episodes (laughs) recorded that have never seen the light of day. Um, I actually took one of the episodes and released it as an episode of this show. Uh, If you've listened to Amy and I talking about Buffy for the second time, which I think was around episode 78. That episode was actually recorded to be part of this new Just Fiction podcast, uh, and it, it it very much resembled an episode of this show, so it was very easy to cut out a few things and put it out on this show, but I did record with Amy these other two episodes, the pilot episode of the show and then uh, episode three that no one has ever heard besides Amy and myself, who were there in the room when we were talking, and Miles, my dog, he heard it also. So that pilot episode is now available as part of the premium podcast, and the uh, episode we recorded to be episode three that was never released will be coming in the near future also on the premium podcast. You can find that and all sorts of more all sorts of more on my patreon page patreon.com/ Jesse Mercury Sci-fi. All of my links are in the show notes for this podcast, my website, uh, other links. I'm just drawing a blank. but if if you need a link for a thing that has to do with me, it's probably in the show notes of this podcast. Anyway, it is Firefly time. Get ready for the train job with me and Jane Smith. Here we go.
1: Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free, you can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black, tell them I ain't coming back. Turn the land and you can't take the sky from me There's no place I can be Since I found serenity But You can't take the sky from me
0: All right, Jane's back.
1: Yes.
0: We're ready for... For the train job.
1: Oh, we're so excited. The show that was so good, it had two pilots.
0: Two pilots. Pilot number two. <laughs>
1: Pilot number two. Yeah. Or uh, as people who watched it live know it as the very first episode.
0: Yeah. So for anyone who didn't hear us last time, tell us that story again.
1: <laughs> so Firefly, um, Joss Whedon and Tim Minear made a show on Fox about space and Frontiers and spaceships and horses—basically, <laughs> <laughs> um, just everyday people uh, living life out on uh, the edges of terraformed space and taking jobs that they can to survive. You learn their backstory a little bit as you go, but um, the original pilot was pretty dark, yeah, um, very moody, very moody, uh, and Fox was not having it. They said, "Look." We're taking a chance on you. We want you to do something that is upbeat, that is fun, that's going to bring audiences in immediately and make you really love these characters and, you know, wacky hijinks. And Joss Whedon had this idea of something that was just kind of gritty and... And grim. Grim and lived in and just like, you know, brooding but to the next level. Yeah. Um,
0: And... There was some humor, but it was sparse
1: yeah. but it, it was it was really about people that were a little broken and yeah. just making do with the best that they could just getting by just getting by in every, space every single thing with you know spaceships and stuff yeah totally <laughs> but um
0: but the network meddled it was, too,
1: it was it was they were not feeling it and they said you know what um we're gonna give you one more chance we haven't officially picked this up yet and let us see it from another angle we want it funny immediately we want it to just like make people laugh make people love these characters for how likable they are and not how tortured their souls are yeah and uh show us what you can do with something a
0: little bit more upbeat yeah and the result is the train job
1: the result is the train job very well said yeah uh Tim Minear and Joss Whedon um, have actually talked about this before how they had joked about like what if we just write an episode in a weekend ha 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 wouldn't that be funny and then they got the notes back from the executives at Fox after uh, Serenity uh, parts one and two uh, and they were like yeah no you need to rewrite this episode right now <laughs> yeah so they had to do <laughs> so that so they <laughs> then had to rewrite it they had about 48 hours to rewrite uh, a brand new pilot that introduced all these characters and how they came together and their yeah. roles on the ship and um just all the little nuances of their inner relationships, in one brand new episode, and not just a like a whole new pilot, a shorter pilot. Right. This one just is a one episode normal long. normal length, um, like forty two minutes or something. Yeah, 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 an hour with commercials. Right. And so they really had to cram. A whole lot of information into this episode, so you'll see people being called by their titles. Yeah, uh, um, Kaylee says, "Hey, Doctor to Simon," and he's like, "Oh no, here's my actual name. Just call me Simon." Yeah,
0: um, and like Simon talking to Miles, like, "You picked us up and you yeah. kept us with you, and yeah. now what do you want?" Or like, like Shepard Book has that conversation with someone. Exactly, yeah, there's a lot of that happening. Every
1: single character has a brand new introduction. Kaylee rolls out from underneath something with grease on her face, right. and she's on one of those little rolly mechanic sled things Uh, so you either get a really quick verbal affirmation of someone's role or you see it um, right 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 because it's just like bang 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 they they gotta do it all over again
0: yeah and for me like the first time i watched this i didn't know any of that and I just mm-hmm. loved it. I'm like, wow, they're really solidifying who these characters right, are. you're
1: like, man, <laughs> this is great. They're really just Good writing. driving it home.
0: Yeah, you know? it doesn't like, feel forced. Like yeah. it, It's a very natural attempt to address those notes mm-hmm. uh, and still make something that reflects, I think still reflects Joss and Tim's original vision of yeah. what the show could be. Right. I think they were just forced to kind of speed up and Bring yeah. these character, bring the characters a little closer together and a- to a little more happy of a place, mm-hmm. probably faster than they would have wanted to. Yeah, and like naturally, because they
1: were gonna work their way towards, you know, towards happy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But you always got to look out for that but on a Joss Whedon show. If someone gets too happy, they uh, oh yeah, tend You're to get caught, have misfortune, or, or, or their loved ones are mysteriously killed or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you see all these new reintroductions of characters, um, which when you're watching it on the in the proper order, um, it feels natural, which I really appreciate. I agree. Like totally. you were saying, um, like when you read books and you, you read sequels or whatever down the line in a series and the author has to somehow reintegrate the plot that yeah. you already know.
0: That's hard. With
1: the assumption that someone picked up this book completely out of order and they just have to you know, jump on like the wagon and figure out what's going as they go. Sometimes they do it very well. And like with respect for the audience, because they figure that you're smart and you can figure it out. And sometimes they just regurgitate it in such a way that's so annoying. I know. I hate that.
0: (laughs) That's something that Robin Hobb is particularly good at. I think Mm -hmm. is like retelling you where these characters came from. Yeah. Uh, without, uh, making it boring and obviously Joss Whedon's very good at that also yes
1: it's, it's the mark of a good storyteller and absolutely Robin Hobb yeah. yeah that's uh, that's exactly what happened to me I, I picked up one of the books out right. of order <laughs> oh my god that's it's right it's like the you one time I've done that uh, yeah that's hilarious the, and you
0: kept going because you learned enough about the characters yeah, to I was be able like, to follow it
1: this is great I'm I'm reading this and she's filling in the blanks for stuff that must have happened between this book and the last book but like didn't yeah, write about which it which is technically true she's but catching me up. in between
0: those books was but another book there was there's <laughs> a
1: whole book that I skipped by accident because I'm dumb and I picked up the wrong one out of order and but I, I felt like it was natural.
0: I was like, wow, right. oh, this, this is lovely That's that good she's writing. doing it. That's yeah, great
1: writing. yeah,
0: yeah and with the train job, I if I had seen this first, I would have fallen in love with this show. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great pilot. Yeah. I actually think that like in some ways this is even better than the than the original pilot, yeah. as far as selling someone on the show.
1: I do love the snarky comedy. They are just, I love it. They hit the ground running with it's this episode, just
0: like you said. While we were watching it, just it, cracking wise within like yeah. seconds of the episode starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many funny jokes. Like it, the the style of humor is so particular to this world. It's yeah. very Joss Whedon. If you yeah. watch Buffy, it's very similar. It, but yeah. like imagine Joss Whedon's style of humor like several hundred years in the future and out and, in like, space, and it's adjusted for that
1: down into like yeah. the just quip, 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 quip. And, yeah. <laughs> um, the first pilot is slow. It takes its time. There's a lot of reaction shots because it's twice as long. Right. You have totally. a lot more time to just like pan around and see the sets and just really feel what's happening before they go to commercial. This one, they just, it's action packed the entire time.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I adore this episode. I think it's really great. And no. I it's interesting rewatching this now. I've learned like that's All that backstory is stuff that I think I learned between watching it for the first time and maybe the second time I saw the show. And mm. and I I don't know. It's been a long time, and I've had a lot a lot of time for the show to settle and just become like part of my favorite bits of fandom. And then like re-experiencing <laughs> it and just knowing a little bit more behind the scenes. I was actually. Uh, wondering as we're watching it, like, is this humor so abundant because they have to be? (laughs) Like, because the the network is telling them it has to be this abundant? Yeah. I guess uh, so, right?
1: One of the actual notes that they got was, make it more funny. (laughs) Like, we need more jokes.
0: Yeah. So So how do you feel about uh, Sulky Mal versus Jokey Mal between the first two episodes?
1: I love both versions of Mal. I love the broken, tortured man who has nothing left to live for, so he's just... You know, living day to day, looking out for his crew, and just like yeah. kind of existentially dead, Mal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I also love snarky, sardonic, like quips with everybody. It has a a really like biting humor with everybody he talks to i I love both versions and i can't i can't choose he's he is both and you see it throughout the series that he he kind of alternates between a guy who deals with the pain with humor and who at other times is just so completely just like broken inside <laughs> yeah <laughs> that he he doesn't really know like he he walks the moral compass of both sides he'll he'll kind of flip-flop at various times and i love the whole package
0: yeah and you know what's i i agree with you and i think what's yep. cool about the way that this is written is that uh it really just feels like the first episode was mal on a bad day and this episode <laughs> yes. is mal on a good day right. where he's in a good mood yeah like he took his quaaludes that morning and he's feeling good. Uh <laughs> and it quaaludes. feels like the same person just on different days. And like, yeah. you know, I like I got really grumpy last night for no reason and I was no fun to be around. Yeah, humans and have today I'm feeling better. And like that th- that days. was yesterday, you know, exactly. and today is today. That happens to people.
1: Exactly. And and I love that they were able to do this reboot of the introductions for everyone, and it feels like the same person. So even right. if you watched Serenity and then you watch the train job, it doesn't feel out of character. It just right. feels like just they're a on a different day. day. Yeah, he's yeah. just he's just having a nice day.
0: And I think that the the whole subplot of it being Unification Day and mm-hmm. Mal like purposefully looking for a fight on Unification Day yeah. kind of sets up why he's having a good day. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that should be a bad day for him, you know? Right. But he's not the type of person to like sulk for the reasons you'd expect. Yeah. He sulks for completely different reasons. <laughs> uh but on like and he's a very surprising character, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the end of this episode when he decides to to kick crawl into the engine of the ship. It's just not what you expect him to do. Yeah. So I love the fact that on Unification Day he has a good time <laughs> fucking with authority. You know, I love that. I think yeah. that fits perfectly.
1: Yeah, uh, as uh, is quoted later in the series, uh, might have been on the losing side, but not sure it was the wrong one. Yeah, totally. So it's he's he's still got that spark. Um, of independence, independence, of rebelliousness, yeah, of you guys might be the government, but that's not going to affect my day-to-day activities. I'm still going to go about my business.
0: Totally. And this, this episode also sets up a lot clearer why the alliance is bad. You know, mm-hmm. all the way through the episode, yeah. I think even more so than the pilot, they really set yeah. the alliance as the villain much more effectively.
1: Exactly. They they have an opportunity to help these people in need that they are the governing body of. Like, right. these people need help and they are there and they just say, Why? Why why should we help you? Right.
0: The, like, <laughs> it's they a waste were, of our time. The medicine is stolen and yeah. then. It it comes down to, like, the people who are supposed to deliver the medicine and the people who stole it mm-hmm. needing to help, and yes. only the people who stole it are willing to help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it really shows you how callous the alliance is. You know, mm-hmm. the, the commander, whatever his name is, uh, that guy's reaction to the theft, he's like... We, we have more important things to do. Yeah. And you know, when that whole village is going to die, like, they don't care. Right. It, it does not even cause a blip on their radar because they're in charge of so much. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the human equation doesn't even seem to factor to in to the yeah. alliance. But then you have Mal and his crew. They stole this medicine. They didn't know that they weren't, that it, it was medicine. They didn't yeah. know it was going to people in need. And as soon as they found out, they put their own lives at risk to to help that village out. Or town. So, or I don't know what to call it. Place. Uh,
1: uh,
0: Paradiso. Paradiso. I, I do know what to call it. <laughs> yeah. I know the name of the place. Yeah, um,
1: yeah they used a great little uh, gold mining town a couple hours north of L.A. for that shot. And that was that was really great.
0: That's but cool.
1: on the point of uh, the crew making that choice to return the medicine, apparently, yeah. originally, Joss wanted to leave it as dark Mal as like, I'm going to do what I need to do to survive and everyone else be damned. So they uh. were not going to return the medicine. But uh, the executives were like, look, this guy needs to be likable. He needs to be the hero. Maybe he's a criminal, but he's a criminal with a heart of gold. So he's going to give the medicine back.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is fascinating to me because whenever you hear about network notes, it's always like, man, I wish they would have let that creator do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, I feel like, All all those notes are (laughs) are things that I like.
1: I think it was the right call for. I mean, this is the first thing that people are seeing. Yeah, and they need to know that this is actually a good guy. Like he's got questionable choices that he makes all the time, but when it comes to the little guys getting hurt, he's gonna look out for them.
0: Totally. Yeah, if there's someone who can't protect themselves, and he won't let them be taken advantage of. Yeah. Or at
1: least he won't be the one taking advantage of them.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that that speaks to the like being a brown coat. The whole idea of that is that Mm -hmm. this government like wants to take over and take advantage of us, and that shouldn't be allowed. And and he's on the side of you know let us govern ourselves,
1: right? Because the alliance doesn't care about the outer planets and their needs, right? As as we talked about earlier, it's just these people out on the rim taking care of themselves and. Government interfering occasionally, but not actually
0: helping, right? Yeah, you know, you lent me a bunch of comics last week and I read a bunch of them. (laughs) Uh, and uh, first of all, you lent me uh Buffy season eight, the first two volumes.
1: Yeah, for anyone who's who's, absolutely uh, fantastic looking for more Buffy and hasn't turned to the comics yet, do it.
0: Yeah, the first (laughs) volume I liked, but the second volume is all about Giles and uh and Faith, and it's wonderful. It was so fucking good. I loved it.
1: Yeah, we should probably do a podcast on the comics on season eight on season when eight. I finish
0: it absolutely
1: because I have thoughts and feelings. I would love
0: to. So <laughs> okay. yeah, go read that. But then you also lent me uh, the like the three volumes of serenity comics. Mm-hmm. and I'd read two of them before, but it was so long ago that I'd forgotten. And I actually really liked it this time. like the yeah. first time I felt iffy on it. Uh, I don't remember why because I really enjoyed it this time Um, I think I think my expectations were too high as a kid like I needed more Firefly desperately and this was not good enough for me it
1: was not enough (laughs) but now
0: as an adult like expecting to not like it I'm like oh this is fun I like this like it's not it doesn't have the depth of the show and I think that's why I was disappointed maybe but but it's fun and the characters feel like they're there and it's just great to have a little bit more you know just a little bit more is all I need
1: one more day just keep on flying
0: totally but anyway so there's a description Actually, let me read this. The comic is literally sitting right next to us. So th- this actually phrased the Alliance in a little bit of a different way than I had thought. Um, at the beginning of the comics, it has this little, like, like before the comics start in all the collections, it has this little write-up little to kind of ex- explain what's happening. It says, mm. After the Earth was used up, we found a new solar system, and hundreds of new Earths were terraformed and colonized. The central planets formed the Alliance and decided that all the planets had to join under their rule. There was some disagreement on that point. After the war, many of the independents who had fought and lost drifted to the edges of the system, far from alliance control. Out here, people struggled to get by with the most basic technologies. A, sh- a ship would bring you work. A gun would help you keep it. A captain's goal was simple. Find a crew. Find a job. Keep flying. So what I hadn't thought about is the fact that uh the alliance decided for everyone else that they were going to be in control. Like, the yeah. the like humans spread out through this new solar system and then the alliance said well we're in charge mm-hmm. uh, after these people had terraformed all these other planets right they kind
1: of just seized control
0: yeah totally it that was just blurb... like a like a um, uh, imperialistic takeover of the galaxy
1: exactly exactly which you know that much power is sure to corrupt right um that blurb that you just read we actually talked about briefly last time it's the snippet that you don't see on the dvd but oh. that they said on TV because they showed them oh. out of order and they had to tell audiences what the hell is happening <laughs> because that's it was too confusing. So that's so funny if you if you um, think of that. Think if you watch it on in, Hulu, you'll in see in the that. voice of Ron Glass. That oh, particular no. one. There were I have to see that. There's now. a couple different ones, and um, that one was done by book.
0: Oh my god! Now I'm really curious <laughs> to see that. Yeah, I had never yeah. thought about it as like I had always thought that the Alliance had had colonized all these worlds. And then people on the outside of the Alliance said, Hey, you're not helping us. We're going to fight against you. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Like the, the, the worlds were colonized and then the Alliance said, we're in charge. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And that makes them even more sinister sounding. They're more like the, the, em, the emperor the empire in star Wars.
1: Exactly. Exactly. They're like a galactic empire. Um, the alliance is actually a like a super superpower. Um, you can see it in this episode. The flag is a joining of the U.S. and China uh, mm, flags. Right. And so these two giant governments kind of merge, which is uh, why you see the culture and the languages kind of bleeding together yeah. uh, throughout the show. And they uh, together took over everything and yeah, decided yeah, we totally. need the whole verse. We need the whole verse. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean it it helps put everything in perspective a little bit more cuz I for me when I'm watching a show or enjoying a story of any kind if there is a villain mm-hmm. I will enjoy it so much more if you tell me why they're bad. You know, yeah. and and it makes sense to me and I understand why I need to resist this group and yeah. you know of course like i'm on mal's side no matter what because i'm watching this show and he's amazing
1: right he's such a great character and yeah. it's really even when he's being bad you know and like kicking people into uh engines to yeah. be chopped up into little bits like you're still <laughs> rooting for him like he's still the plucky hero right and, totally like you but he's also so
0: just like he's on the yeah. side of of true justice when the galaxy itself is not. Yeah. And that just makes it so much more satisfying. I mean, for me, I I get these really intense moments of pride when I watch this show. It's like I'm on his side. Yeah. You know, when he goes to take the medicine back at the end Mm -hmm. and he has that moment where you're not sure if the sheriff is going to arrest him or... Or not, and then he says, like, a man has a choice, and Mal says, I don't think he does.
1: And they have that understanding. And they have that understanding.
0: Yeah. I just feel so proud to be on Mal's side, Mm -hmm. and that's, it's crazy, because, like, none of this actually happened.
1: Right. (laughs) He's a a fictional character, but you fall in love. Like, you see the choices that he makes, and you say, yes, that is clearly the right thing to do, even if it's unlawful or you know, other people have issues with it, it's clearly the right thing that needs to happen. Like they're going to, yeah. they might starve. Like they, they are constantly on the edge of right. like living from job to job. They don't have giant savings accounts or you know, like banks full of credits. They have whatever the next job is and that's what keeps them flying. And by giving up on this, like there's a really good chance that they're going to suffer.
0: Right. Totally. But oh, they do. Yeah, I mean, they, spoiler alert, they're yeah. gonna uh, <laughs> but uh, we won't get into why dun, yet.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's part of another part of like why rewatching this is such a rich experience because mm-hmm. so much of what's gonna happen later in the season is laid out for you early on. Yeah. Every time Kaylee mentions that thing that's gonna go bad with the ship. Yes,
1: I love you point that,
0: that out every time. I and know. I'm like, Oh my god, you're right, <laughs> totally. It's so good.
1: So for people who haven't seen the show, um Out of Gas is my favorite episode. Me, for- Yeah, for people who have seen the show, you probably understand why. Right, Um, but that's the
0: high water mark for me. Is yeah, that
1: is like the pinnacle, like perfection of television for me is out yeah,
0: of gas absolutely it's like firefly is a show that has infinite potential yeah. and out of gas like accomplishes like it.
1: reaches it and yeah. then and then you're you're okay like you're still sad that the show is canceled but that episode exists right and so you you know you can always go back to it when you need to but totally. yeah so so about that leading up to out of gas um in the original pilot and in this redone one kaylee mentions a specific part that she's having trouble with right um the uh compression coil the port compression coil and it ends up uh making trouble for them later but she's she's <laughs> laying in the seeds or joss whedon is laying down seeds and like weaving this complex story that pays off later and that's that's yeah. really the best thing about his shows the yeah detail
0: and it that's like a, a subconscious thing that you yep. absorb mm-hmm. i remember i remember the first watch through uh, when I got to out of gas, I did remember her saying that before. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird it's like techno babble that you don't necessarily pay attention to. Exactly. But for some reason, because of the way that it was repeated, it did like resonate with uh, recognition with for me. Yeah. The, when it went like obviously it's I mean spoiler alert, that piece is gonna go bad eventually. <laughs> yeah. I mean obviously.
1: <laughs> Look out for that port compression coil. Yeah. Uh, the the Whedon esque term is phlebotinum
0: Flabotinum. Yeah, I've heard that techno, before, but I don't remember what it means. Technobabble. It's uh, just
1: like it's the fantasy version of we're gonna explain right. blah blah blah. I think and I ran into like, that yeah. when
0: I was reading a little bit about Angel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Was there a terrible brawl?
0: Oddly enough, there was. Are you getting my wife into trouble? What? I didn't start it. Just wanted a quiet drink. Funny, sir, how you always seem to find yourself in an alliance-friendly bar, come you day, looking for a quiet drink. See, this is another sign of your tragic space dementia, all paranoid and crotchety. Breaks a heart. (laughs) Did we at least make a contact? Ladies and menfolk, we have ourselves a job. Take us out of the world wash. Got us some crime to be done. There's like a bunch about this episode I want to talk about. But let's start with the first scene with them in that uh, bar, like the Alliance-friendly bar. The Alliance-friendly
1: bar. So you start off inside, like it's an interior shot and it's kind of like smoky and everyone's wearing clothes that could potentially be present day or maybe past. Like you don't know. Yeah. This is the very opening scene and you're not sure what what time frame is this. Right. Like where are we? When are we?
0: But there's like very subtle clues like the belly dancer has blinking lights on her Mm -hmm. on her outfit like that doesn't make sense. If you're
1: looking close, you're you're like, what is this? Yeah. And then they get in the fight and Mal gets thrown through the window, which is a classic Western scene in a bar fight. But you realize it's a hologram. I love it. It flickers out yeah. when he goes through and then it comes back on and you say, oh my God, this is sci-fi. I love it. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> like if this was the first episode you saw, you'd yeah. be totally tripped out by that. Yeah. and and But still, I'm like struck by it every time because mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful touch.
1: It's done so well. And like the very next shot is from him getting up off of the dirt and there are moons In the sky behind him. There are big, giant spheres just hanging out. Like, another planet. Very clearly, not Earth. Not only is it the future, but it's not Earth. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's all, like, set up so well. I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about your setting through those little tiny cues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, something this episode does really well, like, when you see the train in the dirt uh, later on, like, Mm -hmm. this, like... Maglev train. It's a maglev train, train yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then there's there's a spaceship flying right above it. Yeah. In certain shots. Those totally. are some of my favorite shots where it's you amazing. see the ship. It's amazing. But like everything seem, it seems... It seems like
0: this technology is now old and dirty. Mm-hmm. And that that's such a cool way to set the scene is to yeah. say, like, look how far we've come. Like, we don't need windows anymore because we have holograms. <laughs> but at the same time, like, it's all covered in dirt and yeah. it's all in disrepair yeah. because, like, and we're still just humans.
1: And some of the guys in the bar fight are using like current day pistols mm-hmm. like you have this juxtaposition of holograms and regular handguns with bullets yeah. <laughs> like you're expecting laser guns or something like that yeah. but
0: but it's, like it's people both. have laser guns in yeah, this world
1: on on the core planets yeah, or totally. like some of the really rich people but like it's right. it's whatever people can get by with um, yeah
0: mal is still using his um, gun from the war
1: yes and that's kind of um, that's his favorite gun yeah um, which uh, they talk about it a little bit in the comics briefly and someone tries to take it from him. He's like, yeah. Nope. I just read that like
0: last night <laughs> yeah. and I really loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so think fair. that was in uh uh Those Left Behind, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, in Those Left Behind, Dobson makes his return. <laughs> Right. So it was fun to read that like a week after watch rewatching the pilot, the like the, first one. Mm-hmm. the, um, the federal agent from the first one, yeah. it, Mal shoots in the head.
1: Lawrence. Uh,
0: yeah. Lawrence, uh, <laughs> Dobson stumps. comes back in those left behind with yep. like a shot out. eye. yeah.
1: He's like cyborg now, yeah. kind of where half his face is covered in like Borg like, bits. Totally. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, I, that, and it's, a, it's only like three issues long. That story. It's pretty arc. quick. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. I like yeah. that one a lot. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that bar fight, you also get a really strong sense of the fact that, like, our crew are, like, outcasts, basically. Yeah.
1: No matter where they go, they always kind of cause a fuss.
0: Right. They're on the wrong side of, like, what the galaxy considers to be right. Yeah. Even if it is wrong.
1: Yeah. It's, that that bar fight is a really good metaphor for they try to be in regular society it doesn't work out, they clearly get chased away and they have to jump on their ship and leave. Yeah. Like that spaceship is their haven. <laughs> yes. From the rest of the verse. They totally. they have nowhere else to go that they can be themselves.
0: Yeah. And then as a viewer, it just makes you want to go with them because yeah. the rest of the verse seems like shit.
1: Right. Like you, you don't care what's going on down on this little crappy moon. You, you want to get on the spaceship and go find out what's happening elsewhere. Totally. Yeah. 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 Follow, follow the uh, scrappy heroes.
0: Yeah. So I I love that scene. Um, mm-hmm. and then the next thing that really sticks out to me, like there's some really great character building, but then they they go meet Niska, who yeah. gives them the job. Yeah. Uh, and that character is miraculously evil. I know. Like it's it's uh, like a magic trick. You have reputation. i come Reynolds gets it done is the talk. Well I'm glad to hear that.
1: You know what is reputation? Is people talking? Is gossip... Uh, I also have reputation, not so pleasant, I think you know. Crow? Now for you, my reputation is not from gossip. You see this man, uh, he does not do the job. I show you what I do with him, and now my reputation for you is fact, is solid. You do the train job for me, then you are solid. So uh, I mentioned that one of my uh, World of Warcraft characters when I played many, many years ago, uh, back in my day, um, I had an undead uh, warlock named Niska, and nice. he was just like weazened and just oh, it was great. It looked just like him, and uh,
0: he was so evil. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how anyone acts so well. Like that guy playing Niska, he does it really well. It that's either who he actually yeah. is, mm-hmm. or like they traveled to the future and found the real Niska and brought him back to be on the show because <laughs> he, that he's so real in that he does part. Does it
1: amazingly well. And and not just the actor but the like the props that are in his little the lamp <laughs> that Tiffany lamp with like the little dragonflies on it yes. just tells you who that person is like yeah. it's 500 years in the future and he's got this lamp that's probably like 600 years old at yeah, this point. Yeah and
0: he's surrounded by Pain and death and torture, but yeah. he's got this. He's, got la- he's fussy cheerful about little, his clothes. Yeah, he's
1: he's like a little dandy with his little tie and like but sharp lines. <laughs> he will
0: cut you to pieces. Yeah, and smile while he's doing it. He
1: has no. Even if your family, like he says, his wife's nephew is right. the guy that's strung that's up, strung like up meat. in the
0: in the yeah. meat locker behind him. And when he opens yeah. the, when he has, uh it's Krull, right? That guy's Krull. name. Yeah, when he has Krull. Oh yeah, when he has <laughs> this henchman open up that locker. He doesn't turn around to look at the locker. He looks at Mal to see his reaction and he's smiling. Right.
1: He's and getting... And it's a
0: brilliant choice. Pleasure
1: from the sadistic just moment of like, yeah. you, you see what I might do to you? Yeah, I'm just going to drink in your your per- uh, terror, your yeah. pain. Yeah. He
0: obviously gets off on, on mutilating other people. Like, yeah. It's all he wants is to hurt others.
1: He's clearly a sadist.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. he's he's one of the most despicable like characters I can think of. Mm-hmm. And I... Again, like you know, seeing this show for the first time, I'm like, "Wow, they're really, really doing it with it's, this show. It's this is dark. gritty. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is
1: this is episode one for some people, and you immediately see torture and like mobster dude and like what happens when a job goes south. Yeah, and, like." This is this is their life. They're yeah, like, like the show has a,
0: a real violence in it, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not an overly violent show by any means. No, but but when things get violent, they have a tendency to get really bad.
1: Yeah, like Mal gets stabbed, and Jane gets shot. Like yeah. episode one, people are already taking flesh
0: wounds. Totally, and the, the whole idea of the Reavers is really. Disturbing. We'll talk about that more in the yeah. next episode, but they
1: don't really mention the reavers. Yeah, not at episode. all in this one. You're so, right. So I don't think
0: they mention them at all.
1: They uh, that's the only thing about the pilot. Have darker places to go later.
0: At, like as a new pilot, they yeah. don't bring that up. But yeah. the the is the next episode like all about the reavers? Yeah. So that must have been a conscious choice. Like if yeah. if they're not airing our pilot, we have to reintroduce the reavers also. Let's just give mm-hmm. them a whole episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I like Niska like just dis- is disturbing and disgusting but like as a character presented on screen I think it's so well done and yeah. I really love it yeah. and I I it's one of those like evil people that I just really enjoy
1: Exactly. Seeing. I know exactly what you're talking about. He's just so fun to hate.
0: He's got kinda... this twinkle in his eyes. He does. He has a evil like twinkle.
1: grandfatherly like Santa Claus kind of look in his eye and while he's hurting people.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. So they so he Wants them to go steal something off this train. He doesn't mm-hmm. tell them what it is, doesn't hence tell the train him. job. Yeah. Uh, and he shows them that little magical map.
1: <laughs> I know. I lo- like This is old hat for CG now, but um, Zoic, which is the company that they used for all their effects, they did such a good job back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, some of those shots were really hard. You saw... Uh, in the first pilot, Badger actually holds up a piece of paper that's moving that has mm-hmm. uh, images on it, and he kind of, like, waves it around. Yeah, That was so hard for them to do back then <laughs> because it wasn't, like, nailed down in the camera, not moving at all. They had to match it. Wow. You see one moment in the train job where the CG is, like, ever so slightly off. And if you weren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't notice it. But yeah. when the train pulls up to the station at Paradiso... um. Uh, The only train that is... Or the car that is really there is the one that they step off of. So there's one little train car the rest are digital and the camera pans off to the left a little bit and you see the match move is not hundred percent so the train right. cars look like they bob up and down at teensy bit
0: <laughs> yeah you pointed that out to me this time yeah. I'd never noticed it before you could
1: pretend that it's because it's a maglev train and because maybe it's just like cargo is being unloaded and it's maybe the train is moving around a teensy bit because it's not as heavy but yeah sure yeah it <laughs> <laughs> was intentional folks feature not a bug
0: so, what was the whole... I mean, the whole idea of the train job, it's, like, really exciting. They, they go on this train heist, and it's very exciting. Yeah. Do you think that was also part of, like, the network notes, is we need you to have some, like, really exciting action beats? Some
1: thrilling heroics.
0: Some thrilling heroics, yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they wanted um, immediately to know that these guys are criminals. They're doing yeah. a heist. But also, um, have it be funny. Have them be crack and wise the entire time. And um, shorter more compact like they didn't get another two hour episode but it yeah. had to have all of those elements um right out of the gate
0: i wonder if there was a note that said we need more thrilling heroics because jane says <laughs> time for some you know. thrilling heroics
1: <laughs> maybe maybe they stole that line directly i don't know but it's it's one of the more uh quotables uh, yeah, that you'll totally. see pop up uh, in the brown Co- community
0: yeah this episode has a few of them actually mm-hmm. i can't remember now but there was yeah. several things that like i don't know yeah, you hear a couple shinies, You hear you like, hear
1: lots of Chinese. Um You do hear them speak a lot of Chinese. Some of yeah. the more fun things, um, space monkeys, I think. Uh, Mal says to was it monkeys? Was it monkeys? Space monkeys, some terrifying space monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the engine, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I yeah, love. I mean, sense. I love the train heist. I just mm-hmm. think that what they accomplished on. Whatever budget they had is kind yeah. of miraculous.
1: And it looks beautiful. The yeah. few shots that you see of Serenity actually swooping down and like getting right above the train into position with this desert brush going past. And yeah. I I love those shots.
0: Totally. I, I do too. Yeah. Also, it really gives you a sense of how beautiful of a ship yeah serenity is
1: everyone keeps calling it a piece of crap but it's it's gorgeous it's delicious it's got these smooth yeah. lines it's very and sexy very functional but yeah but aesthetically pleasing at the same time
0: there's like a section that's more square on the bottom and round on the top mm-hmm. that's like very attractive yeah i can't explain why <laughs> but it's got nice curves
1: it does have very nice curves um Lonnie Perister, who um, was the lead over at Zoic, who did all the shots, said that he wanted to make a section of the ship, because they actually, like, did the design of the ship, um, where the, like, round back part, or, like, cargo bay bit would actually come off, like mm. a like a shipping container, and so they could switch it in, like... Pull it out with the cargo in it and pop a new one in. Oh. Um, But Joss Whedon said no because, like, this is their home. You're not going to be switching out pieces of it and, like, taking it away. Like, this is their baby. Nothing's going to be taken off. Totally. (laughs) Um, But I guess apparently in the uh, digital version, there's still, like, pieces that would be able to uh, section off just in case that ever needed to come up in a future episode.
0: That's interesting. Like, like the Money and Falcon. The the prongs on the front were supposed to uh go into like cargo uh, to push cargo around. Okay. There's like stuff almost like about... a
1: little forklift.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Which we might yeah. see some some of that in the new Han Solo movie because yeah. we're gonna see a young younger Millennium Falcon as well as like young Han Solo.
1: Shinier. Yeah,
0: yeah totally. Uh but it's so cool to find out that like sh- ships have things you never knew about. Like the right. Enterprise, uh we see it the Enterprise E in Insurrection has this like captain's um like Yacht on on the bottom oh, of it, oh,
1: like his own little shuttle. Yeah. yeah, and
0: apparently there's one on the Enterprise D also, and mm. I I could like point out to you where on the ship it is, like the bottom of the saucer yeah. section.
1: Uh, anytime they show like the. The full ship,
0: yeah, but like they never showed that, yeah. you know, on on Next Generation. It's really huh. really interesting.
1: I, I love the like little details, yeah, um, that totally. you find out from the people who made them, like, yeah, that little saucer over there is actually that's the for, captain's yacht. These yeah. <laughs> little bumps
0: are the escape pods. Exactly. You know? yeah. There's actually an aquatic bay on on the Enterprise for uh, aquatic races, but you never see it.
1: Interesting, like like swimming or like yeah like, like
0: a like a pool jet skis <laughs>
1: space jet skis <laughs> space jet ski.
0: like for for any like space uh whales or something oh. you know not yeah something like the, that like, like aquatic, aquatic, aquatic creatures. species it's creatures that need okay. to live underwater they yeah. have like an aquatic bay
1: I, w- I would believe that like they're they're scientists like i would definitely believe that they have areas for species and yeah. specimens that they're examining but interesting
0: yeah, I my thought was like, why not just create it on the holodeck when you need to? Yeah. But what if that failed? Everyone's dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's no good. Yeah. Like um, that scene in Passengers where the pool, which oh, like, yeah. seems super luxurious on a spaceship yeah. and, uh, and then, then the gravity. G. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like my favorite part of that movie,
0: yeah, we saw that together.
1: We did. I, yeah. I did
0: a... It was my birthday
1: uh, that was a couple befo- years ago. <laughs> that's right. It was
0: so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I did a solo episode about that before I'd convinced you to try podcasting with yeah. me. Yeah, I just... It took me a while yeah. to get you in here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like to hear myself talk, but... Well, other I... people do. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: thanks, Fox. I do, for it, sure. Thanks, Interwebs. I appreciate you listening. <laughs> it's really...
0: This is really exciting to me to do this project with you. Like We're doing all these episodes because you know yeah. so much. And it's like a lot of stuff that I want to hear too. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot of what you know. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I'm an information pack rat. I don't necessarily yeah. like get on forums and chat with people about my love, but I, I do love sharing tidbits that I've gathered yeah. over the years.
0: you something that defines you is that you want to like your life goal is to be a librarian.
1: Yeah. I, and it's,
0: I it's just, that's so cool. It, like I, I want to spread
1: information. Yes, <laughs> like, totally.
0: Totally. Yeah. I love it. Mm. Uh okay, so they go on the train job. They find out. Well, we have to talk about the like the train car full of chickens? the federal agents. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and the chickens. But it's, it's so chickens. like those are you know altered versions of the costumes from Starship Troopers. Yes, and they it are looks very, like a casting call for Starship Troopers. When they walk in there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mal and Zoe open the door, and then it's just like one of those reaction shots. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are we? We clearly just walked into something we were not expecting, and. You're reminded when they're on this gritty, like all the other cars are dusty. They're full of people in like homespun uh, outfits and like chickens walking around and they're sitting on overturned apple crates. And then they walk into this one car that's like a platoon of Alliance soldiers in yeah. their purple belly stormship trooper costumes. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way. It's, it's also a little bit sci-fi.
0: Yeah. By the way, we couldn't afford new costumes, <laughs> so we're using these again. This is
1: a tight budget. We yeah. had to reshoot a whole episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, it is literally the costumes from Starship Troopers. Like, yeah. They, they put new patches or something on them, but it is... They're like, basically the same. Yeah, they, I mean, the same production company made both things, and they just used them.
1: Yeah, just L.A. is full of prop warehouses, and they just said, well, we'll just go pick those up, because no one will know, right? No one right. saw that other movie.
0: Yeah, no one who watches Firefly <laughs> will have ever watched Starship Troopers, obviously. Obviously. Except for everyone, yeah. you know? Like, raise your hands if you've seen Firefly and you haven't seen Starship Troopers. Actually. Oh, okay. I we found one.
1: Ha- I am one. I don't know what it is. I just haven't seen it. Um. Uh, yeah
0: the, i mean I, there's reason. a lot that i haven't seen yep. but i have seen starship troopers okay like um, uh i just watched uh ender's game for the first time yes yesterday with ryan yeah. i'll be putting an episode out about that as well yeah probably before this comes out i don't know we'll figure it out
1: ender's game and that whole series is one of my favorite book series like of all time yeah um, me
0: too we talked about that a little bit i yeah. i reading those the ender quadrilogy not the bean series for me because mm-hmm. i i stopped halfway the through the Shadow second Books, one well. yeah Uh, But the first four, I just adored Mm -hmm. when I was younger. I've been thinking about whether or not I should reread them, but I don't know. Did you see the movie? What did you think of the movie?
1: Um, I did see the movie, and I thought it was fine. Yeah. But, like, nothing about it actually struck a nerve. Like, I didn't feel connected to any of the characters. It was just like, this is something from my childhood that someone else threw together. It's very shiny.
0: Yeah, Ryan and I (laughs) felt the same way. Yeah. Last week, I guess, was when that episode will have come out, if I know what I'm doing at all. Ah. Um, yeah, we felt the same way because it felt like a highlight reel of the movie, of the original book. Yeah. Without, you There's know. There's no soul to it. it yeah, was without, just like, like, connecting you to the characters at all. It was it was depth. missing. Yeah. But I loved I loved the visual representation of things that I love from the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, like, a thrill to see, you know, the battle room finally. Yeah. Actually visualized. It was so they well done. They did do that very well. Very well. I,
1: I loved that. But I just. It was missing too much for me to really connect with.
0: Yeah, I agree. Anyway, back to Firefly. Yeah, this
1: is about Firefly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so after after they pull off the train heist when you get into Paradiso, uh Mal and Zoe have to pretend to be a married couple and they get interviewed by the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. And there there's so much wonderful detail in that scene with the yeah. sheriff.
1: Yeah. Um that actor, I think his name is Henry Grigg. Um, he is a great Comedy actor. And I was telling you when we were watching it, there's this um, horror comedy flick called Slither that actually has him and Nathan Fillion in it. And um, a couple other actors that their names are blank. And the girl that played Effie in the Hunger Games.
0: Oh, I haven't seen any of those. Uh,
1: she's been in like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and Michael Rooker. Oh! Is uh, one of the main characters in it as well. He's
0: gotta but, love michael rooker yes he's, he's so always the same good. guy and he always goes what do you mean boy yeah like, he does that in every movie <laughs>
1: he does that really well and yeah. he's always a little little thuggish um everyone
0: to him is a boy
1: every, exactly he's above everybody yeah. um but yeah i i love it we should watch that sometime because okay it's, i would be down it's hilarious and a little gross but mostly hilarious
0: awesome yeah um, yeah, but this he, actor is great. Yeah, he's so good in this part. Like the way mm-hmm. that he lights a cigarette mm-hmm. is so interesting to watch. Yeah, and then he gets up and he he gives a uh, a drag to the guy behind bars. Yeah,
1: that wasn't they hadn't planned on actually having him walk over, so they hadn't lit it properly. Oh, so when you watch the episode, um, you'll notice that the guy in the cell is like practically black like, like there, it's fully shadowed huh. like you can almost make out his silhouette but it's it's not properly lit at all yeah but it, the the way the rest of the show is so um
0: like found footage found almost. footage
1: yeah. and it, like it doesn't seem out of place
0: totally yeah. I never occurred to me that that was bad yeah and I, I mean the way that they lit the ship was that they didn't need to set up lights yeah. because the the lighting in the ship was a, the lighting for a the lot shoot. of it was environmental yeah it was really
1: good like the um the shot where they're bringing back the uh, uh, Pesculin D uh-huh. on the mule, the basically the lights they're shooting that entire scene is the lights on the mule. Oh, cool! Like David Boyd, the director of photography, he set it up so that there was just a couple more lights on the front of the mule than normal. But like that was that was their light.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know it makes it feel more real yeah. when things aren't lit cinematically all the time.
1: Right, like they're outside. Why does he have his whole face covered in like light that I can see? That doesn't make sense. Totally. And you don't see that in Firefly. You see everything that's natural and like right. ha- people are half in shadow sometimes, and it's uh, very stark. But it's
0: Did David Boyd light the movie also?
1: Uh no. It was it was somebody else for the movie and I'm drawing a blank right now. I remember there it being
0: some green. like really intense something choices green. with the lighting in the movie. Like yeah. the like the the, the Alan green agent guy, like there's one scene where he's totally the operative. The operative, he's like totally yeah. in black. Like you can't see him at all.
1: Yeah yeah you'll and you see you'll like the see
0: outline him. of his body, but not his face. right
1: um, I think that was towards the end, probably right. he was fading into the shadows. that was exactly. like a metaphorical shot where he's like, totally. you're never gonna see me again.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for yeah. me, it was like almost too much where I'm like, well, I can't see you now.
1: <laughs> yeah I know.
0: but in the in the show, it always um. it always struck this perfect balance of things being well lit and things being uh, poorly lit on purpose. To make the world feel more realistic. Yeah. And and the way that, like, the special effects also kind of re- reflected that just makes everything feel so goddamn real. It just feels yes. like it actually happened or will happen. E- everything
1: guess. is so, like, seamlessly done. The effects, the yeah. lighting, um, the actual... Sets. Carrie Meyer did a great job with all the sets. Like it just looks amazing. Jack Green, by the way. Sorry, I was. I had to Google. Like I had to know. Um, (laughs) The director of photography for the movie was Jack Green. Nice. Um, yeah, good Uh, stuff too. But David Boyd is just
0: so good. Speaking of the sets, they do a couple of shots in this episode different from the pilot where you do see how the set is connected like mm-hmm. they walk up a set of stairs and they're still in the set
1: yeah it's very specifically so cool. done just yeah. wanted it to feel like you wanted to be able to know exactly where you were on the ship so there were right. a lot of shots that either like panned around corners or or followed uh like mal up the ladder from, from his, his living room. quarters yeah, yeah. Uh, just Really establishing shots to to know where everything is on the ship.
0: Yeah, like the and and for the actors too. I mean, they felt like they were in a spaceship because you could walk from one room to the other and have the yeah. cameras follow you, and mm-hmm. and you would actually be on in the set. You know, it, yeah. I I how many they built the whole thing in like two or three pieces, right?
1: There, it was two pieces, two pieces. So there was yeah. like an upstairs and a downstairs. That's right, upstairs and, and they, downstairs. they were right and The next whole to each thing other. was
0: contiguous. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I I really I don't, that's that's something that I. I that makes me feel like the actors are all just playing make believe when they are in this show, and all mm-hmm. of them seem to be relishing the opportunity to to make believe together. And you yeah. can feel that when you watch it, and it adds this level of depth to everyone's performance, to every moment of mm-hmm. of footage that's like on screen in yeah. in the ship. Everybody, and it's given part everything. of like what really, really, really appeals to me about this show and Mm -hmm. something that I wish I could see more often in other shows. I just miss it.
1: Yeah. There was such a real chemistry between all the cast members. Like they weren't just a crew for like their jobs. Like my role is pilot on this ship. It's like they actually became a family in real life and they're still really good friends to this day. Like that is a testament to the magic that was created um, of this world that they were living in, that it still lives today.
0: Yeah. I mean, when Alan Tudyk made his own show, Con Man, like he called up Nathan Filling to be on it, and he said yes. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, that show is all about having been on a show that was, a science, sci-fi show it's that a, was canceled. I haven't seen it one. yet.
1: I have feelings about that as well. Oh, okay. Um, we should watch that too. I, I personally don't like it. Oh, really? I know that it's supposed to be satire. Obviously it's satire, but there are just too many moments where the character that Alan Tudyk is playing is making fun of the fans or Uh, just like, uh, just, just making fun of like the lifestyle. And it's like, I know that that's not him because he does actually like all this stuff, but But the whole
0: setup is his life.
1: The whole setup is, yeah, it's, it's like a spoof of him as an actor who played this, uh, character that people really love. And they, you know, they come up to him and they say the famous line that his character was known for saying. And it's like, God help you if you say I'm a leaf on the wind to Alan Tudyk. He might, you know, yeah. he might have a meltdown. Interesting. Um, and it just kind of ruined it. Bummer for me, but I know, I know it's fake. I know it's a character. But.
0: Yeah, I know that they they created flashbacks to the show that Alan Tudyk's character was on, and mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion is there Spectrum. and Spectrum. Spectrum, and they kind of recreated <laughs> Firefly for yeah. for that show. Yeah. and that's the stuff I'm like doubly interested in seeing.
1: Yeah. There, there were some really good moments with that. Um, and you actually see uh, cameos from pretty much everyone That's else so cool. on the cast in Con yeah. Man. Um, Nathan Fillion does the most, but but you definitely see other characters pop up in certain yeah. episodes.
0: I should check it out at some point. Yeah. Even if it's bad.
1: Um, it's worth seeing. I just, I don't think that I could personally watch it a second time. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> very fair. Sorry,
1: Alan Tudyk. I love you, but uh, <laughs> I just can't. It hurts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, something else I love about this episode is the conflict that the crew gets into when Zoe and Mal are you know stuck in Paradiso. Mm-hmm. Jane wants to just cut and run and deliver the goods to Niska. Yeah, and everyone else pretty much uh, wants to get Mal and Zoe back first.
1: Yeah, it shows you the loyalty of the crew. Like obviously yeah. Jane is he's a mercenary. He's out to get his out pay. For but um, everyone else is like, that's our family. We're not going to just fly away without them. Like we're, right. you're crazy.
0: Yeah, Even like Jane was scared off by Niska's display of torture. Yeah. Um, like he doesn't he's, want to become
1: a meat pie. <laughs> yeah, he's just out
0: for his own skin. But, yeah. you know, it's just, I, it's, I love that, you know, Wash is like, I, I'm not going anywhere without my wife. Yeah. Um, you know. Like, Kaylee is just like, yeah. I can't go anywhere without my captain. And yeah, Book is, you know, Book is the the only one who has something reasonable to say in the fact that, like, if we don't show up with Mal, Niska might kill us anyway.
1: Right. And that's another look into Book's character totally. where he's supposed to be this preacher um, that had been living in an abbey for a while. And he knows who this underworld mobster dude is. He, right. He's he like, says, is that
0: Adelaide Niska? He says,
1: Adeline Iska you're talking about? is like, how does a preacher know that name? Right. Who are you?
0: <laughs> what
1: was your life before you got into the monastery?
0: Yeah. yeah. Every time the characters speak to each other, they speak from their own point of view, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how it should be, but kind of rare in TV yeah. to have the writing be that clear where each character is so well understood by the writing team.
1: Yeah. It's just... Well, I mean, this this was their second go, so it right. wasn't even just, like, them figuring it out for this pilot. It was They just knew. They they already had everything fleshed out, and they just had to tell it in a slightly different way. But yeah. it's still so um, just, like, tight and just perfect. and
0: Totally. Because the first episode was written and directed by Joss Whedon alone, mm-hmm. right? And this one was written and directed by – or written by Joss and Tim, and Minear, Tim Minear and then directed yeah. by Joss. Yeah. So this is the first episode to have some of Tim Minear's actual – like mm-hmm. writing credit in it. I'm yeah. sure he helped with the first episode because they work as a team, but, yeah. uh,
1: but the first one was, was primarily Joss. And, right. And he brought Tim mineering because he needed help. Right. Like Tim Minear was on Angel and, um, he promised, Joss promised that he was not going to steal Tim Minear off of the Angel set. And he <laughs> did. And it caused some dissension amongst the ranks. Oh, um, interesting. Over there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad he did because the two of them together make gold.
0: Totally. And Tim Minear wrote Out of Gas, if I'm remembering correctly. He did. Yeah. So so there's something about Tim Minear as well that, you know, beyond Joss Whedon, like there's this other guy whose voice is critical to making the show what it was. And this is the first time that he wrote an episode. And I, I just, you know... It's the combination of those two voices together that make this truly Mm -hmm. magnificent in my point of view.
1: Yeah, I agree. They are so much stronger together than either one of them um, because they kind of play off of each other. And it's it's, uh, better for the audience in the end.
0: I totally agree because I think that Joss... Had such a specific vision of what the show was going to be that he mm-hmm. might have almost strangled the show to put it into it to his very, vision. He
1: wanted it to be very dark.
0: Yeah. And yeah. like being forced to lighten up a little bit. And then also, I think working with mm-hmm. this other writer yeah. uh, tempered that to make something that's just brilliant, mm-hmm. you know, that just works on so many different levels
1: and has withstood the test of time.
0: Yeah. I love, I love, 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 love Simon doping Jane. I think it's so funny.
1: (laughs) It's the smart thing to do. Like, this guy is clearly a menace to everybody. He's making the wrong decisions. He's like a physical brute. If he wasn't injured, he would probably just knock everybody out and take over the ship himself. Right. Like, the only thing that you can do when you're in a position like that is to use what you have and knock him out.
0: Yeah, Jane is so interesting because he... operates out of fear and Mm -hmm. anger and he operates out of like all of the negative emotions
1: he's very visceral character um he's always like touching things or like tasting things sniffing things (laughs) he's like base instinct kind of like lizard brain yeah Yeah, totally trained man ape gone wrong thing yeah
0: and then after he's doped like he when he shoots that guy in the leg and says, "I was aiming for his head," uh, no matter what wrong side he's on, as soon as the situation changes, he's back on Mal's side. Right, every time. Yeah, he's always like the first to jump ship, mm-hmm. and then he's always the always pretends that he never meant to. Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah um we do see it a little bit later but he he does have his loyalties uh you see it a little bit in the in the first episode he could have turned dobson offered him a lot of money yeah enough to buy a ship of his own and he didn't turn on the captain for his own personal reasons um but he does kind of feel like this is his family too yeah i do think he he
0: would turn on mal i think oh yeah like, he, that's a definite. <laughs> he
1: absolutely will if the if the reasons are right. Right. Like, it's got to be good enough for him. Right. Um, we'll he, talk about
0: this more later, obviously, but because yeah. uh, this gets examined a little more closely. Yeah. But even in this episode, he was ready to turn on Mal. You know, ready to abandon Mal.
1: Right. And, ready to fly away, take care of the job, make sure that he didn't get any, uh, you know, Torture happening to Jane himself. Right, totally. And then he says, Then we'll come back and fly in and rescue these guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's always looking out for number one.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um I think the funniest moment of this episode is is Krull being cooked kicked into the <laughs> the engine. It's it's so it's dark, but it's, it's so funny. It's like a
1: macabre moment for the hero of this show who's supposed to be like this upstanding dude who helps out the little people and returns the medicine. But he also kicks his enemies into engines yeah. <laughs> like, and like to the, be chopped up into little bits.
0: The way that it's edited is, is really funny too. Yeah. <laughs> like the comedic timing the comedic of that moment is really great. Is great. And I'm not one that likes violent humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, I've talked about this several times on the show, but when violence is played to be funny, I usually get really upset. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, um, it it's just, the like, right response. It's so funny. It like yeah. <laughs> it just flips your expectations of what's going to happen in that yeah. moment where yeah. like you think he's leaving Kroll behind to go talk to Niska and tell yeah. him what happened. There's
1: like a shock value of like it just happens so fast. Yeah. And then they immediately plunk down like <laughs> yeah. the second in command dude. and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, best for everybody. I got it."
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I I don't know. I mean, this show can like pull off magic tricks. Yeah. And I think that was one of them.
1: (laughs) The only thing that I can gripe about about that is that, yeah, he's he's doing what he has to do for him and his crew to survive. Otherwise, Carl's going to like literally hunt them to the ends of the universe. But does he have to kick him into his ship's parts? Like Serenity is his baby. (laughs) Like he loves that ship more than he loves Anyone else on the crew more than his burning love for <laughs> unnamed companions? Um, he that like that is his girl, right? And and he throws a human body into her parts.
0: I'm assuming like, that like is vaporized. Instantly. I'm assuming
1: that he's vaporized, but he turns into
0: like activated charcoal like, and blows like out like the other jelly. side, yeah, yeah. But
1: but I still feel like that can't be good for your engine. That seems right, ever so slightly out of character for Mal only because it could have hurt a ship. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I can grant you that. I in my mind, I in my mind, I assumed that the ship could not be hurt by that because yeah, Mal did it. It obviously is fine. They <laughs> right. fly
1: away with zero troubles and and like nothing comes of it. But I always have that nagging fear of like it's not good for your ship.
0: Yeah, my only my <laughs> only question about that moment is that like. If it's that easy to get sucked in, why I doesn't really it happen more often? And they're yeah. so close to it to begin with. Like, yeah. that seems very dangerous. It seems like
1: a difference of one foot is right. you're fine and then you're sucked in. Like Right. Uh, yeah,
0: that totally does seem like that. Because, like, Kroll's yeah. a big dude. He's
1: a huge dude.
0: And no matter how hard you kick him, he's not moving that far.
1: Yeah. Um. In the effect that they did, the digital effect to have his body sucked into the engine, the kick that Nathan Fillion does sends this actor back, like like an inch. (laughs) And so they had to immediately replace him with a digital digital, double. Yeah. Um, But it's like, he, he didn't really move (laughs) very much. Like he just like flinched back a little, but he didn't, he didn't fly.
0: Yeah. And it's also like really shocking that you get to know this main character. You get to know how good of a guy he is. And then he just murders this guy. Like in an instant, yeah. At the end,
1: it it does show you the darker side of Mal, but he's still doing it like with for the kind, right reasons. For kind the right, of. but he's also kind of joking about it. I know, <laughs> like, it's like he so just fucked murdered up. a person it's and so he's cracking up. wise still. And yeah. it's it tells you exactly who he is.
0: Yeah, for my normal like tastes, it's so far outside of it, and I mm-hmm. can't tell you why I love it so much. But yeah. it, it's so funny. It is. Uh, I also love when they're talking to the sheriff and the the name that they used to like oh we're looking for this guy to get Joey Blogs Joey Blogs he's like Joey Blogs ate his own gun he's like oh yeah. well is is his job available I
1: know <laughs> he doesn't even like blink he doesn't break character at all yeah. with this alias that they're supposed to be using he's like so would his job be available now?
0: right it's so funny <laughs> I I also I think an, another strength of the writing is that when Zoe and Mal have to go undercover yeah. you see them pretending to be someone else mm-hmm. well. Like they do a good job of it. Yeah. You know?
1: They're they're criminals. They've probably done this, you know, dozens of times before. Yeah. Not specifically a train heist. We know this is their first train heist, but like having to play a part, um it's it's uh, second nature to them at this point.
0: Totally. And then when Anara comes in and blows their spot up, like <laughs> yeah. they just fall in line with it right away.
1: Although Zoe plays it super um is it's just like over the top. Like uh, oh, she's she like, hangs her head. I was weak. Like, <laughs> I, I was weak. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's it's like, really funny. Like yeah. It's funny to the audience because we know that she's playing, like, a part within a part. But yeah. it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, she's so good in this episode. You really mm. get a sense of her of her intense, deep love for Wash and her intense, deep loyalty yeah. to Mal yeah. in this episode. Exactly.
1: You know that her loyalties are a little bit... And not split so much as she, she has two different worlds that she belongs to really right. the the soldier and and the wife but she encompasses both so well
0: yeah i love it yep well should we rate this episode oh man i had a thought about <laughs> we're this we're still
1: grading on a, on a curve right like for just I have...
0: for just firefly okay yeah for, for
1: the firefly curve
0: yeah last time we talked about using brown coats as our rating system oh you got a new one what if we use vera's
1: Oh, yeah. 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 My very favorite gun.
0: Yes. Like, how many Vera's <laughs> do you give this episode?
1: Ah. Uh, um, okay. It's really hard because... Out of 10. Out of 10. Um, what did I give the last one? Eight? I give the...
0: I think so. Or
1: an 8.5, maybe? I think
0: so. I think I gave it a seven. Yeah. The, the pilot.
1: I really like this one, but if I had to choose between Serenity or The Train Job, mm. I like Serenity better cool, because of the the establishing shots and like the slow vibe that you get and you like you're slowly learning about this stuff instead of having it rammed down your throat um i'm gonna have to give it like a seven seven veras
0: cool yeah. uh for me i actually like this one a little more than mm-hmm. i i mean i love the pilot yeah. you know i love it so much this one's great yeah this one i think the sense of the sense of joy in doing what they do mm-hmm. as a crew yeah. is is uh, is one of the main things or one of the most important things to me about why I love this show. Like just right. seeing these people like in action, doing what they do well. Yeah. Crack and wise the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I yeah. love that so much. Like,
1: like Kaylee and Jane in the in the cargo when he's about to be lowered down. You see how excited they are to about to be doing a job. Like, totally. This is what they do. This is why they do it. They're
0: in their element. And yeah. Jane's like, you're not the one who's about to jump onto a moving train. <laughs> like getting a feeling of, of the... It just all feels so real. Like yeah. that's how he would react to that. You know, right. it, it, they just go a step beyond... The normal writing of these types of situations or this type mm-hmm. of science fiction, and yeah. I mean, what else is even in this type? I guess Star Wars is this type of science fiction where it's very swashbuckling, yeah, uh,
1: spaceships and yeah. gritty desert scenes at the same time. A
0: lived-in universe, like yeah. there's a, a, a galactic empire. There's it, a lot of exactly. similarities with Star Wars, yeah. and
1: I mean, smugglers.
0: <laughs> Mal is basically Han Solo. Yeah, but yeah.
1: like, there's no surprise about that. He's he's basically a Han Solo character, but um. I don't know it's it's a great episode but not my very favorite yeah it's still good though
0: i so yeah this is actually really high on my list and i'm debating how many veras to give it because i don't think this is a perfect episode Mm -hmm. because i think while they did a brilliant job incorporating all those notes they went if you know the behind the scenes, you can almost see them like making fun of the executives. It's like now time for some <laughs> thrilling heroics. This is what you, you told us we had to you. have them yeah. now. Like we're <laughs> cracking wise every three seconds. Cause he told yeah. us we had to, yeah. but I think that like the moral quandary they find themselves in is really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, they let the humor kind of slide away as you get deeper into the story yeah. and then kind of grab your heart a little bit and then bring that humor back at the end with crow being like thrown into the engine. Right. Um, I mean, I really, really love it. I I think that there's a little bit of like tonal stuff that like they where they're fighting the network that you know I even kind of enjoy, but maybe keeps this from being like the best episode possible. Yeah. But I, I what am I going to give it out of ten? Vera's I'm gonna I'm debating between nine and nine point five because I really love this one.
1: Yeah. I, I think mean, I'm going to give totally it. Solid. I'm
0: going to give it a nine because yeah. I want to give myself some
1: some wiggle room. Some
0: wiggle. I know that there's episodes that I like more.
1: Yeah um but
0: i'm gonna give it a nine because i just i love it it was such a joy to to watch again too Mm -hmm. i mean i just i was so i've been in a weird grumpy mood since last night and (laughs) like that episode just perked me right up it's like this this represents me Mm -hmm. so well just like as a fan this is what i like this is the type of thing where when i find someone else who likes it i'm like oh i'm probably gonna like you because you have good taste (laughs) yeah
1: i don't it's kind of a litmus test for like I think when I first met you, um, yeah. when we started working together many years ago, uh, I was like, "So have you seen Firefly?" It's like and you it's can like, oh my God, you I can tell from a person's reaction of something that you love deeply whether you're gonna like get along or you're gonna be on the same wavelength. And so it's like Firefly. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and totally. if someone loves it, you're like, "We're fine. We're we're, we're, we're good. good." Yeah, and actually,
0: like I've watched a <laughs> lot on your record or read a lot on your recommendations because. Yeah. I know you have good taste because yeah. you love Firefly. You,
1: yeah, because you know that this person likes stuff that you like, so right. you you have the stamp of approval. That it's like, well, that carries a lot of weight now because you like Firefly.
0: Right, and right. I constantly crave media. Like I need to be
1: <laughs> deep, stories.
0: I need to be deep in a story. We yeah, need stories all the time. Yeah. I, all the time, I need to be excited about a book or a comic or a mm-hmm. movie or a TV show or a video game. I need, I need yeah. something like that to keep my life mm-hmm. rich and full. Like yeah. I'm just one of those people that needs that. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't
1: know. I, I'm i a junkie for stories too. Yeah. I, I usually get them from a uh, paper medium, but uh, yeah. you know, movies and shows are good too.
0: Totally. I think TV has been my number one. Um, but but man, books, all of it, I love so mm. much. I haven't been reading books recently. I got kind of stuck in a couple books I was reading and just fell out of it.
1: It's hard sometimes when you get something that you feel like is a chore to read, but you can't. You like, can't put it down. You can't you get stuck. Jump ship, so you feel yeah. conflicted about like even picking it up again.
0: Yeah, and I actually really fell out of reading comics when I moved to Seattle because mm. I used to have this awesome. Tradition with my mom, where we go get lunch and then go to the comic book store every Sunday, which was awesome uh, and super fun, um, and also very generous of her because I can't, I can't really afford comic books. Like they're they're so expensive. It's a very expensive (laughs) hobby. Uh, So I just kind of stopped buying them, and also like I'm carting this comic book collection around with me from apartment to apartment. It gets heavy. It's heavy. I know. Uh, but then you lent me all these new books and I, I have just been <laughs> diving but through the them. The
1: librarian in me is just like, take my books.
0: Yeah. And you you were telling me how the Seattle Library, which is right, the public library on Capitol Hill yeah. like three blocks from my apartment. We have one
1: of the best library systems in the there. country. Yeah. I need to
0: be going there.
1: Yeah. They will important. they will feed your need for more comics. Yeah. They will enable that.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's something about comics as a medium that I find so fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Like. I love reading books because you can imagine everything that's happening. It really sparks your imagination. I love watching TV because there's the possibility of so much subtlety. Yeah. Because you don't have to tell... You don't have to spell everything out with words. Right. You can can have a look portray an emotion. So someone can say something but mean something else and you can totally portray that. But comics are somewhere in between where you have to use your imagination to fill in the blanks, but you can have someone say something with a look that is different from their words and have that subtlety. Mm -hmm. So. It it activates like all these corners of my brain that love being stimulated by media in a very particular way, Mm -hmm. and reading. I mean that Buffy and um that Buffy comic with Niles and Faith was the first time in a while that I read something new with comics that really did that for me, and I adored it. It was very fun. Yeah,
1: Um, characters that you love just being shown in a slightly different way is just yummy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the danger is that you can do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have any constraints it
1: can be done poorly um yeah. but when it's done well and and um comics can do a lot of stuff that budget-wise can't be done in tv absolutely like yeah. they are on a spaceship but they can only show like so many shots of the spaceship flying around doing stuff because that's expensive but someone can draw that in a comic and do stories that were not even feasible yeah on the tv show
0: totally it's rad yeah. <laughs> we're fans in case we're you can fans. tell yeah yeah. All right. Well, two episodes down. All right. What's What's the name of the next episode? Bushwhacked. Bushwhacked. Yeah. I, it immediately
1: takes an even darker turn.
0: Yeah. I, I like this episode a lot. There's like one moment in particular that I think is some of the best character building of, of the early run of the show.
1: Of Train Job or bushwhacked?
0: Of, of Bushwhacked.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, the scene where... Uh, well, we'll talk about it next time. I don't yeah. want to put any spoilers. In case anyone's watching this <laughs> with gonna us. There's going to be a
1: whole episode about that one. We're going to so. talk about Tune it later. In next I'm going to shut
0: up now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Jane, thank you so much for doing this with me. This is awesome. <laughs> and we'll see you for the next episode.